3: Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I am Jessie Ware and I'm on Zoom. It's Friday night. It's about quarter to six in the evening. Mum's here, Alice producer's here, Sarah manager's here and we're about to start a Zoom with someone that I used to cry at concerts for.
2: I took you to the concert, Jess.
3: You took me to take that concert when I was at primary school. And I
2: had to, the, the man had to issue earplugs because of the screaming. That's quite common when the you're going to see
3: was the most adored boy icons. band in the world. Anyway, so he was always my favourite. He broke my heart when he left the group. And then, but we followed him. I supported him through thick and thin, through that terrible bleached-haired face, you know. And Alice Ward, best friend Alice at school, and I would compete with who could cry more at the concerts. So I went to see him in Manchester, didn't I? You got me tickets for Manchester and then Alice got me tickets for um, London. I think it was like the Excel Centre or something like that. And I don't think we even looked at the gig. We just looked at each other trying to cry more than the other.
2: And I think I went to Wembley,
3: Jess. No, that was for Take That. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's not about us. It's about (laughs) the international superstar... Robbie Williams tuning in and we are going to chat to him and I can't quite believe if I could have told my 13 year old self that I would be spending the evening with Robbie Williams talking about food with my mum well I wouldn't have believed it but here we are so Robbie Williams has a new single out called Can't Stop Christmas that includes buzzwords such as two meters zoom and skype and it's out now and I know what I'm going to do I'm going to either swear loads or I'm going to pretend that I'm Emily Maitlis Try not to swear I'm going to really try I'm going to see whether that flame can be reignited whether it is an eternal flame for Robbie Williams I mean he was on my my walls do I say this to him? I feel like it's a weird thing to say Oh shit, shit, he's here Oh yeah, no, I've still got it still got the butterflies for him Here we go (laughs)
1: Let me just get these uh, ear pod things in. I gave up eating chocolate at the beginning of the year and I fell asleep uh, at five o'clock into a really deep sleep. And you know when you wake up and you just need sugar? Yeah. You know that? I've just eaten a massive bar of chocolate. So hopefully I'll be able to work some calories off from the chocolate just by talking.
3: Was it worth it? (sighs)
1: I don't know, it's sort of like an ask me at 10 o'clock tonight question where I think back about it and be remorseful about what I did at five.
3: Why did you stop chocolate in January?
1: Well, um, I'm just, you know, I'm trying on different things to, to see what fits and to see how I can stay, I don't know, offset the onset of middle age and obesity. Hi, I'm Robbie Williams. I used to be in Take That. (laughs) Robbie, you're gorgeous. Thanks darling. And I'm
2: swooning and Jessie's going to tell you about all her swooning.
3: So Robbie, I have to just let this, I just have to let you know this now because otherwise it's going to be the elephant in the room and you're going to hear it in the introduction. So I loved you. You were potentially my first love. It could have been Ryan Giggs first or it could have been you. I can't remember. It was about the same time. And I loved you. I loved you and take that. Fine. I resented you for a little bit. And then I used to compete with my best friend who could cry more at your concerts. Right. I loved you.
1: Oh wow. And
3: this is a bit weird for me. Oh. And I'm just going to get it out there. And now we can be professional. We can be the UNICEF ambassadors that we both are. We can be peers, musical peers. I just had to put it out there that I loved you. I had you on my walls. I had everything.
1: Oh wow. Well, I um I'm very happy and honored that in some sort of way. <laughs> and
3: you're like, "Oh no, the connection's gone." No, no, genuinely. <laughs> I'm very
1: happy and honored that I sort of facilitated for you your first safe crush where you wouldn't be broken hearted or you know
3: no you did break my heart
1: what by leaving take that
3: you did you broke her. i remember i think i did try and call the <laughs> helpline actually <laughs> yeah. do you remember i think it was on news round there
1: was a helpline <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, i i didn't leave I, I i suppose there was some that there, there there would be some form of Separation anxiety. Uh <laughs> but I didn't I didn't literally break your heart by being that asshole first boyfriend. Well
2: it felt like it at the time, Robbie. That's true. It didn't
3: feel like that. It didn't feel oh. <laughs> anyway. Right, now
1: tell us the real reason you left. Mum re- No, you can you can ask that. Okay.
3: <laughs> okay, fine. I thought we we're gonna talk about food. Okay.
1: In short, yeah. We had a manager and um I didn't like him and he didn't like me. And the only person that was being managed in the group really was Gary. And uh, Mm. Gaz, very talented songwriter, very good friend of mine. We've made up because I since left Take That and slagged him off for years and years and years. Um, You know, I, I was sort of jealous, not sort of, I was jealous and resentful that he was the only person in the band that was being looked after. And me and Gary are very similar because we've kind of, in the band, with how we write songs, how we present ourselves, how we perform and where we want to go, we're very much uh, a one direction kind of person. I don't mean in a Harry Styles way. We're sort of like blinkered where there's no left and there's no right. If I was a footballer, I'd be getting that ball and heading it away or heading it into the goal by any means necessary. And Gaz was the same too. So all of these things, plus cocaine and ecstasy and vodka, and um, I needed to and had to leave to go and become the person that I thought I could go on and become. Which you did. Which I did, yeah. You definitely got the ball in the back of the net, Rob. I did, I did. I, I'm sorry if I'm not making much sense. I, I'm sort no, of like- No you do you
2: make absolute sense. You're a driven oh, okay. human.
1: You're driven. That's right. Uh, but now me and Gary have learned how to share our toys. And uh, that's the benefit of maturity and getting older. <laughs> um, I love him to bits and I have utmost respect for him. We ride together, we, we'll go and eat together. We hang out and I love him to bits.
2: If you were a footballer, who would you be?
1: If I was a footballer, who would... I, which football team do you support? Man U. Oh, OK. I'm from
2: Manchester.
1: OK, well, I'd like to think that I'd be Eric Cantona, but I would actually be Gary Neville.
2: Oh, that's all
3: right. Yeah. We'll take hey, that. Listen, we no, love gas. No,
1: yeah, absolutely. Gaz. I'd still be I'd still be in a treble winning team.
3: Tenacious. But
1: I have aspirations to be yeah, Eric Cantona. But actually I would be Gary Neville.
3: I have to talk about um, the. I met Eric Cantona at Soccer Aid. Um, yeah, and I guess I have you to thank for that, really, because you start you started Soccer Aid, um, but Eric Cantona was there. He is the coolest guy in the world. He said, do you want to have a drink? And I, w- I didn't want to have a drink. I was actually really, really tired. But I was like, Eric Cantona's asking me if I want to have a drink. I didn't actually realise I was like eight weeks pregnant at the time. And so I had that bloody glass of wine and I s- sat with him and st- and kind of said nothing particularly interesting and maybe tried to talk about when he used to play but he was so so kind of philosophical even though we were really I, I mean I really wished I could have spoken French then but yes he, he was amazing so but can we talk about Soccer Aid a little bit because I think it's um yeah I've been I've been a part of it um for a good few years since I've been working with UNICEF and it's such an occasion and it's it's such an event and it's I mean it raises so much money and what you've been with UNICEF what for 20 years now? Yeah And I think you're actually One of the reasons Why I kind of chose it you, you brought it to my attention When I was a younger person UNICEF the charity With all the work that you did But Soccer Aid Became your baby Didn't it uh,
1: Soccer Aid did become my baby And the reason why I joined UNICEF And have remained An ambassador ever since Is because of Ian Jewry. You know, Ian Jury and the Blockheads?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, I'm a massive, like, my lyrical inspiration is Ian Jury. And I love the Blockheads. And my makeup artist, who's still my makeup artist today, was Ian Jury's makeup artist. And he asked her and she asked me. And I became a UNICEF ambassador. Went out and did all the trips and stuff and uh one day with a friend of mine Johnny Wilkes came up with an idea for the soccer aid match and it just took off you know i was like, i was just expecting it to be a, a one off and then it was like oh and now we're going to do it every 2 years and now we do it every one year and it's raised 47 million it's an unbelievable few days and, and And you know, it's like, nobody kind of sticks out as being an arsehole either, because it's very rare that there's like the one person where you're kind of like, that guy over there," because everybody feels so incredibly lucky and privileged to be part of the event.
2: So, what's it like living in LA with an American woman? Does she know about
1: oatcakes? Yeah, she does know about oatcakes. She's very, um, she's very European. She's a Francophile. She's in love with France. She speaks French. She speaks Italian. She's got a very British sense of humour. She's very naughty. She swears like a trooper. Fantastic. Uh, she's not American. <sighs> With her sensibilities. I mean, she does lose women every now and again. She, she also doesn't know that bollocks and pissing it down are not words that you can say on British television. <laughs> and, and how did you two meet? It was a blind date. Oh, what did you eat? Do you remember? Oh, we didn't eat anything. I just had a delivery from my drugs dealer. And uh, I wasn't, I wasn't peckish. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, long and the short of it is she came over to the house. I just, I was, I was three weeks out of going to rehab. I was in a very, very bad way. And, uh, and then she arrived and like, I think I, I freaked her out. she, She'd had red wine. Now, my wife, when she has red wine, is sort of like um ballsy New York Jew. She's she's Jewish, by the way. Is she? She's, yeah, yeah, she's Jewish. I knew it, It Could have
3: been me. Yeah. Okay, go on. She's on the,
1: she's like, there's like, she's on the Lady Petrol. There's either the white wine okay. Ida or the red wine Ida. And like um, red wine Ida is kind of, well, you know, it's a kind of, she's like Joan Rivers, basically. Amazing. Right. Yeah, she, she she's com- she is a comedian, that's how she started She does she did comedic acting and did stand-up and all of that business So she arrives and she's all sort of like ballsy And I arrive and I'm all sorts of like a uh, uh, 1990 warehouse rave in Blackburn Hacienda uh, Yeah, <laughs> okay. and they kind of sort of, we just went, uh... And she'd just come from this party, and I thought to myself, I'm going to take her to this party and drop her off, and, um, and then leave. But while I was in the car, she made me laugh, and I thought, I'll go in the party with her. And I went into the party with her, and we were in the corner of the room looking at the party within the first five minutes of being there. And we looked at the room, and then we looked at each other, and this moment happened, and the universe just went you've known this person many 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 lives you are understood and you are safe basically without a kind of phrase she's the one she's the one he's the one Aww. do this do this thing how now
2: wonderful
1: well yeah but we didn't we didn't mention that to each other for 2 years when i was talking to somebody about how we met and she was like, oh my God, you felt that too. And I was like, yeah, I, I felt that too. She said, I didn't want to mention it because I, I didn't want to appear strange, but w- w- that was an actual moment, right? And I said, yeah. And uh, they said, we've been married, for we've been together for 15 years. We've got four kids. Um, she is so smart, so funny, so right um, all of the time and she <laughs> makes me feel safe and she is she she is the she is the reason i have become the person that i am now
3: i want to marry her i'm going to cry actually yeah i know
1: yeah but is the is the thing every time i talk about her i want to cry do you <laughs> oh yeah, I genuinely it, do you love her that much. Yeah, here in my temples, every time if I'm like in an interview or if I'm talking about my wife to other guys, or something happens right here in my temples where I'm like, I'm gonna cry, which is, um, Aww. which is a really, it's a really special thing to have in in a very very turbulent, unsafe world. Our sort of. Mini tribe, you know. There's that saying that people say that nothing outside can affect you when inside is uh, safe. I didn't know that one, but I like. And that's how I feel. I've not heard that. No, I, I, I just paraphrase too. That that's not the exact words, but that's exactly how I feel. It's like nothing out there can hurt me when I am with her.
2: Oh, man. She sounds like your fairy. Your fairy godmother. She sounds perfect.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we we wind each other up. You know, when people talk about, you know, we have our ups and downs. We actually don't have our ups and downs uh, in the same sort of way that people talk about. She can annoy the fuck out of me. And I know, sorry, excuse my language, And I know that... Don't excuse yourself. Okay, thank you. And I know that I annoy the fuck out of her too. But we're... I tell you what, it's sickening. We are so good at when there's a problem, we know that within half an hour, 35 minutes, we'll talk through it, and we'll be closer than we were before, and we'll be holding hands and watching the television, and everything will be forgotten. And it doesn't make those moments less uncomfortable trying to get to that place where you're comfortable again but somehow every time we do we manage it Um, I'm in so much like with her I think there's nothing you can do about love love kind of happens to you like is a different thing completely and I I'm heavily in like with my wife
2: that's so lovely.
3: I want to know you had a baby this year.
1: Yes, yeah, Bo.
3: So how's that been? That's the, the fourth. Yeah, and a lockdown baby. And uh, when when was Bo born?
1: Bo was born nine months ago. When was Bo born? Was it February or March? January, February, March. The, listen, I've got I, this. This is the thing. Is that what happens on the fourth, Robin? No, I'm going to get all the children's birth dates tattooed right? So you remember? Yeah, because I, I forget absolutely everything. I don't know my wife's birthday. There's so much I don't know. And it just it won't go in. It will not go in. I was at the opticians and I took the two older kids to the opticians. And they were like, um, they're like Mr. Williams, how, uh, what's Charlton's birthday? And what's Theodora's birthday? And I went, do you mind if they just go out of the room a second? Because I didn't want to say in front of them. I don't know.
3: <laughs> oh, bless. That's
1: terrible. <laughs> uh, no, it is terrible. Okay. Bo wasn't born on the 14th of February. That's Valentine's Day. Was born I-, <laughs> I was born on the 13th of February. Anyway. I know it's awful, but it's really not my fault. I am dyslexic, numerically dyslexic. Oh, right. Which means I'm talking bollocks. <laughs>
3: Can you remember what you used to eat when you were younger? Can you remember that kind of stuff? So what was it like in Stoke-on-Trent? Your, your dad had a pub, didn't he?
1: Yeah, my mum and dad had a pub. So were you eating in the pub? Was there food? My dad actually won New Faces in 1974. I bet I saw him. What's yeah. New Faces? It's like Britain's Got Talent. What
3: was his talent?
1: He's a comedian.
3: Okay. Your dad's a comedian?
1: He won his round Yeah, and then went to the final Lost in the final, uh, but my dad's a comedian. My uh, mum and dad were together. They had a pub called the Red Lion. They split up, and then my dad went and ran Port Vale Social Club. So he had his own, he had his own pub in the ground. Did you live with your mum or your dad? I lived with my mum, but there was loads of oatcakes. Do you know about oatcakes?
2: Yes. How do you know
1: about oatcakes?
2: Because we had a mother's help called Louise, and she came from Stoke. And she used to go home and bring them back, and we used to have them with cheese.
1: Yeah, did you like them?
2: They were gorgeous. They were like the best pancakes you could eat. They were just yeah. fabulous.
1: Yeah, now I see, I want to take Robbie's own pancakes, oatcakes, and send them to the world. You should do. I am. I'm going to do my own oatcakes. So, oatcakes is a Stoke-on-Trent da- get delicacy. And if I could explain it to you, it is like a pancake, but not sweet. It's a savoury pancake, best basically, but the texture of it is very spongy and light yeah. and gorgeous. And you, gorgeous. you sort of wrap it up with cheese and onion and sausage and bacon. Or beans or egg or whatever you like. And uh they're 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 absolutely incredible. Do
2: your kids like them?
1: Oh, the kids absolutely love them too.
2: They're hard to get hold of now, aren't they? They're yeah, not... they
1: are they
3: are
2: hard to get hold of. And you can't get them outside Stoke on Trent, really, can you?
3: That's why Robbie's gonna bring them to the world.
1: I'm about to rectify that.
3: So but Robbie, I wanna know, what was your mum making? Um, was she a good cook? And what were you a Or
1: did you love the grub then? No, I would eat whatever. Uh, In fact, the only thing that I don't eat are olives and capers. Okay, why? And that's about it. You just don't like them? I just don't like them. And, like, people will say, oh, well, you like these olives. And like like an idiot, I go, okay, then, maybe I will. (laughs) And then I'm like, no, no, I, I... I just I just hate olives and I hate that olive that you've just tried to make me eat. What's your favorite sort of food? Well, my go-to it, it's always like takeaway food, right? Are you the same with with food? I
2: mean Ali, I Everest. cook a
1: lot. So yeah, if you if
2: you were in, if 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 we weren't in lockdown, I definitely would have forced you to come to my house and eat chicken soup and matzo
1: balls. I would I would absolutely love that. That would we, that's a date, by the way. We'll do that.
2: Definitely, uh, darling. I'll we'll definitely make it for you.
1: I I eat incredibly healthily, and I'm a big believer in fitness and well-being, but my go-to if i was going to splash the calories out would be uh sweet and sour chicken uh with special fried rice and then i would have or a balty lamb balty right
2: love lamb balty
1: lamb balty done properly because here's what you guys don't know right you guys don't know that you don't have a decent curry house down south.
3: Well, you certainly don't have one in Los Angeles, do you, Rob? (laughs) Shite. No,
1: actually. No, no, they are shite. They are shite in Los Angeles. Dreadful. But a northern curry is probably the best curry on the planet. And that would be, uh, yeah, lamb bolty. And then these nams the size of, I don't know. Your head, yeah. Shallows. (laughs) Yeah, just <laughs> huge NAM breads. Like, this is way too much, but I'll... Uh take some home and then we'll eat it during the week. So um, yeah, those two things, lamb balti and uh, sweet and sour chicken. What about you guys? What's your... I
3: I don't discriminate. I'll eat anything um, and I'll eat lots of it. I can't can't stop. I love it. I'm like a dog. I'll just keep going. But my mum is a great cook. And so when mum does her Jewish food, it's like, it's brilliant and I love it and it's reassuring. Um, But I don't know. I... I mean, I'll eat anything. I want to know though, is that, is that your kind of, would that be your main for, we ask every guest what their desert island meal would be or their last supper, whatever you want to call it. Um, would that be your main, the Balti and the sweet and sour Okay, are we having chicken? a desert island?
1: Okay, we have, yeah. yeah.
3: Starter, main, pudding, yeah. drink of choice.
1: Okay, so uh, I would go for fried calamari to Which start. Which dip? Lovely. Oh, well, I would have two bowls of calamari one foot with balsamic vinegar, which I could have with shredded wheat. Really? Oh, my I've God. I've
2: never heard that. I've
1: never tried this. I'm addicted to balsamic vinegar. Uh, and, like, it, it's it's a problem. I would have wheatabix and balsamic vinegar if I could. Uh, and then I would have another dip of a Thousand Island Dressing. Oh. Wow.
3: Okay. Sophisticated. That was, that's a bit, no, but it's a bit left field. I mean, for a calamari, I would have thought yeah. you'd go aioli or Tatar. So I like this. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. Have okay. another bowl.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah. But <laughs> have you had Perrinee's mayonnaise? What, from Nando's? No. From Nando's, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yes, there you go. Well, you know, I could lie to you and tell you that my favourite food is like um, Gordon Bleu, but it's not. It's like when I go for it, I want... I want chemical crap.
3: So, okay, so that's your starter and then the main.
1: Okay, the main would have to be the sweet and sour chicken with the special fried rice. Fine. But like Balti would be on the substitute bench.
3: But well, you can have the Balti too. Just have it
1: as a little side. Okay, thank you. I'll have the Balti too. And then drink of choice. Okay, so I haven't had a, an, any alcohol for 20 years. Chiggity check that out.
3: Congratulations.
1: Um, my drink of choice... As I'm saying all of these things and I'm saying them publicly, I'm I'm like going, hey, I'm really uncultured. <laughs> so here's my drink of choice, Coke Zero. Come on.
3: I really like it too. It's great. Oh, wow. It hits the spot yeah. without the sugar.
1: I think it's actually better than real Coke. Yeah. I can... So you've got a lot in common with Donald Trump.
3: Oh my God, what? He likes Coke Zero. Yeah,
1: he drinks Coca-Cola
2: all the time.
1: Let me tell you though, guys. Yeah. I eat very, very healthily all the time, apart from one meal a week.
2: Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what footballers do, though, don't they? They have one naughty day.
1: Uh, uh, Maybe, maybe. I think they call it a cheat day. But like today, for example, I got up, I walked 10 miles before lunch, and then I had a vegan moussaka.
3: Why vegan? Are you vegan at the moment?
1: Oh, yeah, I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you. So, I was eating fish twice a day. I had my bloods yeah. done last week. Hi mercury. And um, I've got the highest mercury poisoning <gasps> the doctor has ever seen. Oh, my God! Oh, my God,
3: Robbie!
1: What sort of fish were you eating? I was just eating octopus, squid, but tuna every night. Tuna would be my snack meal. So, I'd have in the, in the fridge just tuna and pickled onions combo unico and i'd have that every night anyway so here's the thing now i am now plant-based so i'm a plant-based person and i have been for the last five days
3: apart from when you have that chocolate today but i'm not
1: do you think you'll be able to keep it up are you vegan vegan so you're not having eggs or anything i'm plant i'm plant-based the distinction between vegan is, is sort of like uh, the difference is that people are doing it for moral issues, which I'm also with too. I, I'm sort yeah. of like, I feel I feel guilty if I do and when I do eat meat. But I'm doing it for health reasons. So is the chocolate vegan today? No, it wouldn't have been. No, you're right. It's fine. Does, but it, I it's... wasn't myself when I woke up out of my sleepy stupor. And,
3: and how does that work with like the four kids? Do you all eat together? Are you all having the ve- vegan moussaka? Because I know what a bugger my children are with food at the moment, with like everything either has to be beige or separated. So like do you as a family eat together and do you kind of all get stuck into the same stuff?
1: Yeah, we do eat together. I would say that mummy and daddy's food is slightly more restrictive than the food that the kids have. Not saying that, you know, that, but the kids eat way healthier than I ever did. And that's how we want to raise them with sort of, we want to raise them with the best knowledge of nutrition that we have at this point in our lives. And my mom uh, raised me with the best information of nutrition that she had at that point in her lives. We've moved on since then, we know more things. So the kids eat really healthily. Uh, and me and mummy eat even more healthily.
3: And are you feeling better doing the plant based diet? Do you feel good for
1: it? I, I do, but I've just fallen asleep at five o'clock in the afternoon. I don't normally fall asleep at five o'clock in the afternoon. And then two nights ago, Ida was trying to talk to me and I was just, she was trying to ask me, like, Christmas presents, what should we get this person? I was saying, Please stop. Ask question. I cannot answer you, you. Lack of energy, darling. Like, but I'm taking iron in the morning. Um, short answer is, I will feel on top of the world. I feel really good anyway. You know, I feel very happy, very content. So... If I get rid of this mercury. You
2: look absolutely gorgeous, if you don't mind me saying.
1: Thanks, darling. You,
2: he looks, you look so handsome. Oh, you bless you. Thank you don't look a day older than when you were in Take That. I think you look lovely. Oh, Better, probably. God
1: bless you. Th- thank you very much. I, I really, really appreciate that.
2: But I want to know, did you get your mercury tested because you went kind of neon and you started flashing or something? No,
1: I got my mercury tested because my wife's neurotic. Oh, okay. And uh, she does all sorts of tests all sorts of times. And it's very interesting statistic that I may be making up on the spot, but I don't think so. Married men stay alive longer than single yeah, men. Yeah, I'm sure that's and true. And that is because their wives badger them to be well. And so it is with my wife. Like, she wanted me to get these bloods done, and I was like, oh, whatever, Okay. And so many of the things that Ida does and I do, I'm just going, she wants me to do it, so I'll do it. <laughs> anyway, thank God, because I could have dropped dead of mercury and arsenic poisoning.
3: I want to know, we haven't got your last pudding, and I want to know more about growing up in Stoke-on-Trent and what was on the dinner table.
1: Okay, so there was one special dish that my mum used to do, and it was, it was how I felt love, because like food is love and which can also become part of the addictive nature of feeding our feelings, you know. And it won't sound very special to you, but when I was growing up, it was really special to me. So she'd get a a can of tuna, and she'd get some mayo and some uh, tomato ketchup. She'd mix the tuna up, and she'd make these tuna melts, but she would butter the toast, not on the inside but on the outside and then she would put them in the oven and the butter would then like just melt into the whole thing and for, for what whatever that was, however that made me feel, I just felt in that moment that it was heaven and I was loved
3: I understand that, a tuna milk can do that to you but I'm liking the idea of the ketchup, yeah, ketchup and milk. I may try that
2: Being in
3: a boy band at such a young age, I'm sure you were eating shit because we've had a few of the Spice Girls on and they were like, we literally just eating packets of crisps and pot noodles. But I just wanted to know, is there any really memorable food moment? Take that all beyond being, you know, an international superstar, pop star individual. Um, but because you, you were doing this like when there was loads of, money in the industry when they probably spent lots took you out wined and dined you that shit doesn't happen anymore Robbie
1: oh yeah when we were kings yeah yeah when we were kings I was the last the last of my kind from when we were kings anyway early days of take that we used to do this thing called king nan and basically you would get points so if you had a far you would get six points. If you had a vindaloo, you'd get five points. If you have f- madrash, you get four points. And then it, it went all the way down to a korma. But you had to finish your dish, right? And then as the month, the couple months went on, who had the most points then became king nan. And what we did was we um, we got a nan bread and then we uh, put stuff around it and, and a chain around it and you wore it at your you wore it at dinner time and and you were king nam and whatever you wanted everybody had to do
3: god <laughs> are you, you taking mad? are you actually <laughs>
1: are you taking the piss no i'm not taking the piss
3: and is that when you realized that you had to leave the band?
1: <laughs> I, I haven't spoken about king nam for since uh, at all in public at all that's the first time right <laughs> and as the words were leaving my lips i was like this is mental, what I'm saying. Mental. But it's true.
3: So, what would you command them to do?
1: I never was King Nam because I couldn't. I couldn't stomach a fall. He couldn't take his heat.
3: Who was King Nam? It was
1: always Jason or Howard. And basically, what they would do is like they would have a fall, which is uh, hotter than a vindaloo, and then if the points were close, they'd order another fall. And eat that dish too.
3: How did they all look so ripped and fantastic when they were just eating curry after curry? Babe, and... on,
1: honestly, we were dancing. You we were, were dancing for seven hours a day.
3: That's the key, Jess. Oh my god, that is hysterical. Yeah. So then you'd wear this non-gold chain,
1: non-bread around your. Yeah, and what what'd do you do to like stuff to make it not crumble? You varnish it. Yeah, we'd varnish and naan. No. <laughs> Yeah, we did. This is so weird. Did you frame any of these nan nan breads? No, they were never they were never framed. But like you had to call the person King Nan as well when you talked to them. Who
3: thought of this game?
1: We we all came up with it combined, you know. But it was it's a bit like Lord of the Flies, isn't it?
3: Um, I want to know. Yeah, your pudding, your pudding for your last meal.
1: Okay, there's a uh, red velvet cake from uh, Los Angeles red velvet cake
3: at a particular place
1: uh yeah but sprinkles
3: oh my god they are really
1: good have you lived in los angeles jesse no
3: but i've done like i've done sessions there and i play gigs there and um and I remembered somebody for my birthday, I don't even know if it was my birthday, like LA people really like to bring cakes to places. Yeah. Like they really love that, I've realised. Yeah. And there's this sprinkles cake that has, Um, it was like before everyone was doing, but it became like the confetti, not the confetti, like the, you know, um, all the hundreds, thousands, they'd be all in the cake. So it would look kind of. Like sprinkles, I guess. they're called sprinkles, darling. Okay, right. Well, yeah. And I remembered it.
1: Celebration cake.
3: Yes, that's it. It's
1: called celebration cake. Yeah,
3: I guess maybe they were celebrating me arriving into Los Angeles, but I used to always get one of them and it was always from sprinkles and it was delicious. (laughs) Robbie Williams, do you have good table manners?
1: No, I don't have good table manners. I eat like a a Viking, I suppose. That's how... if I could get rid of knife and forks and just attack it with my fingers, I would. Um, something takes over me. I, I'm always the... My, my side of the table's always, always the dirtiest. And I, sometimes I'll be in company where that could be embarrassing, and it quite often is. Uh, but I'm very, very northern working class... And it's about getting it off that plate and into my stomach as quickly as possible uh, by any means necessary. I understand
2: that. Get it down, uh-huh. here. yeah. Are you going to be at home for Thanksgiving?
1: No, I'm not. And I just spoke to Theodora, my oldest, who's eight. And she was like, Daddy, I just realised you're not going to be here for Thanksgiving. Oh. What about Christmas, though? Oh, Christmas, we're all over that we love christmas what do you do we my wife just makes me love christmas i couldn't be asked about christmas it wasn't my favorite time and then ida came into my life and she is the spirit of christmas and now it's our favorite time of the year we absolutely adore it and once ida got we got married and she got her feet under the table and she just started to like go all out with the Christmas decorations. We used to live on this gated community in Beverly Hills. And I came back one day and she'd had the house decorated. I swear you could see our house from the space station. <laughs> <laughs> there was just like 15 nodding Santas, 20 bowing deers, alves, uh, just honestly, it was like, I just thought about the electricity bill because when I was growing up, you still have to put 50 pence into a meter to keep the electricity going. Anyway, with Ida, she's made me have Christmas. And the problem is with my wife is she's very, very, very thoughtful and she takes a lot of time and energy and patience thinking about presents for everybody and for me. The, the problem is this. I'm the diametric opposite of my wife. Oh, How I show my love is through touch and cuddles and all the way through the day, I will tell her how much I love her, how much I adore her, how beautiful she looks and I genuinely mean it. I just, I love looking at my wife. I, You know, if I'm not beguiled with how beautiful she is, I'm looking at how interesting she is and how, you know, like... What's her face doing today? Anyway, that's the language of my love. But you're shit at buying presents. Darling, that doesn't
2: make up for a nice present, though.
1: I I know, I get that. I'm not not stingy in any way. No, I'm sure you're not. It's just not in my makeup to be bothered. Do you
2: want us to help
1: you? Well, the problem is she likes jewellery. Then that's easy. Yeah, it is. It is diamonds.
2: diamonds can't go Always. wrong
1: yeah yeah i mean i started off doing the romantic stuff like i sent somebody to go and sketch her grandma's flat in paris wow that's a good one right that was
2: fabulous it's good it's yeah good. so
1: i sent somebody to that's outside of grandma's flat to sketch it and then send it to us and then i'd create i do art so i've made art for ida and then after a while you're just kind of like oh gotta do it again haven't i but then there's the like the day that we met in january uh the 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 anniversary uh the christmas the uh thanksgiving the halloween the, the there's all of these things and i i'm speaking as a man i'm sure there'll be men listening to this and go i get you and i understand you if my birthday falls on a Tuesday, it's a Tuesday. And if nobody says happy birthday to me, I am not bothered. If my wife's birthday falls on a Tuesday and she doesn't become King Nam for the day, there's a problem. King <laughs>
3: um, Robbie. Oh. That's, the, that's what you could get oh my God, her, play, a Play King Nan with your kids. Maybe you should bring it back. <laughs>
1: To start. I, I may, maybe I will bring King Nan back
3: Maybe that will be everyone's Christmas game After they've listened to this Everyone needs to send in pictures If they've played King Nan with their mates Robbie Williams thank you so much for letting us into your life for an hour it's been such a pleasure you've you've kind of not held back we love you it's been amazing and thank you and I hope that you know I hope I get to meet you at a soccer aid gig or you come around for chicken soup oh
1: well bless you bless you both thank you so much for the love I, I genuinely genuinely really love it that you've been so kind and thoughtful generous with your time but generous of spirit when it, it's been come to tell me that you think i'm a nice person and i've spent time in your life before oh without many knowing in my dreams it means a lot to in, me
3: yeah all the time yeah we we love you we love you oh,
1: thank bless. you yeah you permeated our <laughs> lives yeah bless you both hey listen why don't we we'll all hang out me uh, me you two and That'll the be wife really
3: really lovely love to. Why I loved him so much. He's got this warmth and generosity, and he is a real star. You just—it's undeniable the way he's got so much charisma.
2: I'm swooning.
3: Oh yeah, I could see that, Mum. I can get a bloody word in. You Uh, and Rob having a good old chat. Rob.
2: Yeah, Rob. (laughs) Come to my house, Rob.
3: I remember why I loved Robbie Williams so much when I was younger. I still do, I think. He's reignited the bloody fame. The fame is eternal, Robbie Williams.
2: I thought he was terrific. He, he was great fun. I don't think he took himself seriously.
3: He was just so lovely. I absolutely loved my Friday night being spent chatting to Robbie Williams about Sweet and Sour and King Nan.
2: maybe you could have directed him to Two Star Jess
3: oh Two Star shout out Two Star and Peckham and Nunhead Blood- I bet you could get a good bloody Lambolti there oof um, anyway Robbie Williams love you just love you and I reckon everyone's going to love him on this and his single is out now can't wait for Christmas thank you for happy listening Happy Christmas it's coming up to Christmas happy Christmas We're going to be back next week for some Christmas nibbles with some friends.